Hello, everybody, and welcome to God Quest. I'm your host, Miles Young, and I am so delighted that you have joined us today. We've been having a wonderful time as we are on this quest to find the will of God in our life and what He's doing in the earth today. And I'm thrilled you took the time to join with us. I am especially delighted to have one of my dearest friends on planet Earth, Pastor Brad Allard, all the way from Manteca, California. Brad Allard, glad you're here, man. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm looking forward to a conversation. Yeah, we're going to have a great time. You are you are one of my uh, favorite people. You and your wife, Sophia, have have just a unique story. Uh, you're, you're world-class overachievers on so many levels. And uh, you bring you bring a very interesting discussion point uh, today. Uh, you have worked very successfully in the secular business field. You're a commercial pilot on your own aviation company. Your wife is an attorney, and on top of all of that, you just happened to start a church and just kind of did a did a little work in the kingdom of God. So I want to talk about some of those things. So. Uh, first of all, give me a little background for the for the viewers and listeners. Talk about your aviation career. Yeah, so I uh, started flying when I was 15 and always knew that I wanted to go into the ministry. Had no real doubts about that. But uh, my father, uh, Pastor Steve Aller, was very, very much an advocate of getting a secular education. And so I think I picked up on my dad's dream. Dad always wanted to be a fighter pilot in the Navy. And so... <laughs> I don't know if I was kind of his uh, his visceral living experience, like in the sense of I, I, he was going to live life through me. But <laughs> ultimately, um, that's kind of what happened. I ended up going to flight school after college, and um, but I did start flying much earlier at 15, and then yeah, just one thing led to another. Flew corporate for three or four years with a big company, and then uh, ended up meeting several you know very well uh, wealthy people in the area, and then fly flew those people. Uh, while I was serving as the youth pastor with my father in Modesto. And so that was kind of the beginning of the, uh, the, uh, the genesis of the flight side. Now I still have the business, but it's, it's phasing out. You yeah. know, ultimately, as the church grows, I'm phasing it out. So uh, on a real spiritual note in this aviation, uh, I think, did I hear something about uh, you met your wife on a flight? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you heard that. That's right. <laughs> Expound on that. Well, Without it sounding too questionable, my <laughs> wife was in church for the record. So she was at church, but she had heard through somebody here at the Rock Church that I was a flight instructor. And so she was interested in learning to fly. And so she called me. This is her story. So she called me interested in learning to fly. And that was the beginning of that relationship. Um, she, she wasn't interested at first, according to her, but we all know that that's probably not true. And uh, I'm joking about that, Sophia. Uh, no, it took several months. I actually gave up, and I thought, you know what? She, she's not interested in me, gave up. But ultimately, um, God apparently was able to deal with her heart after many days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool. It's, it's one of my favorite stories about y'all is uh, she married her flight instructor, and uh, she, is, she, is quite, she is quite the woman, an attorney uh, in a very uh, cool field. Uh, the both of you are a perfect team and uh, piano player, worship leader. She's just an amazing, amazing woman. And I watched the two of you come together as leaders and your, your similar interests and your giftings. 
and you've you've taken those very successful talents that were in the secular field and the two of you together use those to build an incredible ministry uh i remember the days of you teaching bible studies as a youth pastor at modesto because your dad and i have been friends friends for many years uh I remember way, way back, your your dad as a kid on the mission field, and my dad was working with missions. So our families are deeply connected Been back connected in the day. And uh, then watching you become a youth pastor, teaching Bible studies, and it was it was evident there was, when I said overachiever earlier, there there was it was like you were never satisfied. You were pushing. I watched you and Sophia go into at the time your church was in Tracy with just a little handful that I was privy to even before you got there and then watch the blessing of God as you took principles you knew from your secular learning, your wife's education and the hard work of missions that was in your family. And you, you approached it almost like a, a mission field. Yeah. I watched you do that from a distance. And so give us a little background on, where you began with the church, where it is now, and there's some pretty exciting things going on. Yeah. So, and, you know, everything that ultimately uh, has been done has been done because God has been with us every step of the way. And I, I, we really, Sophia and I, though we have secular educations and we've taken a secular path, ultimately, I, I really, we, I, I think Paul says it right. He says, I, I count it all as dung. And I think Sophia and I count it all as really waste. But we have tried to take whatever we have learned from those things. Um, we went to, you know, when we started the church, uh, we went to Tracy. There were four adults and a baby. Uh, two of those folks didn't stick with us too long. They ended up moving out of the state. But um, God just slowly began to add to the church. We, we really approached the church, um, beginning the church with Bible studies. And we were teaching a Bible study every Wednesday night and then eventually Sunday services. Um, and I think at the end of the first year, we had like 15 or so people uh, gathering on Sundays. And then after year two, there were like 30 people. And so just, again, slowly God began to add. And uh, we, we really took a lot of our cues as far as church growth from, from the Rock Church. One of the, I think, in, there were two people that obviously that I had had a lot of exposure to. And one was, was you and the other was David Keller in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And we just tried to really create a game plan uh, for attacking our city and area based on what we had seen you do and see uh, what Brother Keller, uh, try to implement what Brother Keller was doing years ago when I was, was with him. And so just year after year, you know, hitting it hard, Bible studies, evangelism, uh, loving people. Um, and, and I remember, I remember those days you were, you were working full time because yeah. I, I was, I was going through some of the work at that time. Uh, getting my pilot's license so there were many times I, I knew you were in the aviation field and you would you would hit the gr well you'd hit the air flying not yep. the ground running uh, and then you would come home from those trips you're you're teaching bible studies in homes coffee shops and I watched you you do the rough work and the heavy work of 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 lifting up a church while while working a job yeah it can be done, you know, and I, I, I get it that, you know, there's been an apostolic paradigm of, of start basically being full-time in the ministry. Um, and again, I don't, maybe it's for a lot of folks. I, I think, you know, for, for this generation, I can only speak to my generation. I, I do believe it's doable. I believe if, if you're doing the right kind of work, that you can work a full-time job 
um, and and raise up a church out of out of really nothing. Um, obviously, for Sophie and I, though we both have what the world would consider to be probably very desirable careers, we've we've throttled those careers to basically allow us to do uh, church work. So we've never prioritized the career in, yeah. at all, and and we've never missed when Sophia was in law school here in Sacramento. We lived in Sacramento. We never missed prayer meeting. On Monday night, we never miss Wednesday. We never miss Sunday. We we always made sure that we prioritized church. And you know, to that point, uh, Sophia was accepted into numerous law schools around the nation, Ivy League schools, and she turned them down because did, she wanted did, to be. Didn't Sophia? Wasn't she chosen out of? I, I can't remember everything related, but something was chosen to go before the Supreme Court and. What was Ninth Circuit of Appeals? Okay, yeah, in San Francisco. So she was selected. They went fifth in the nation. It was a moot court team. So yeah, okay. she was a very, very gifted student in law school, and she'd get embarrassed me talking about it. But she was on a full ride scholarship. So, but I mean, she did wonderful. But she ended up. We we really prioritized church. She yeah. ended up coming to a school that was probably not as well ranked nationally as say Notre Dame or Yale, but. But it allowed us to continue to stay planted yeah. in the city that we that God had put us, um, and we wanted to prioritize that. And still today, my wife's still a practicing attorney, but she throttles it um, as needed. She's in charge of our music. She's in charge of our Sunday school ministry and children's uh, education. And so I, I think if I would say, you know, if I were to say anything to my generation, it would be basically this, that you can work a full-time job, but... But it's never more important than the kingdom of God, and that's the key. Is is use yeah, it to I, fund. I've watched you. I've watched you. You call it that throttling down the language of a pilot. You know, yeah. you, you learn how to to lean the oil, lean the mixture, <laughs> lean the mixture. You have you have done that, and I've watched as your secular career the demand financially, and I've watched as the church has picked up, and I've watched you do that. Yeah, and uh, I have watched. You take now. This will be a little leadership section. We'll kind of flow into here. Yeah. Some of my favorite conversations with you related to the kingdom of God and the ministry is you. I don't think you mentioned it. You were also a pilot instructor. Yeah. You trained a lot of of students. <clears throat> One of my favorite things I've ever heard you do is where you relate the art of learning to fly and being a pilot with living for God. Yeah. So kind of just kind of give a, a a little example of that. I remember you yeah. rattled off, you know, emergency plans. Like So so give them a little taste of that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like lost procedures. So if you're lost and you, you don't know what to do, there's five Cs. Hopefully I can remember them all, but climb, call, confess, comply, conserve. So there's five Cs. So climb, get up higher. So spiritually, if you feel like you're lost, you got to gain altitude, right? Okay. So so start start getting rid of things, weights and sins and unrighteousness, climb, call, get a hold of God, get into the prayer closet, confess. And we heard a wonderful message tonight by yeah. about repentance. I mean, it was fantastic. But, you know, being honest with God, being honest with the ministry about your current situation, and then comply. So many people don't want to comply with what God's telling them to do or what. So, so break that down like in aviation. So that, I mean, that's a real process. Yeah, it's a real process. That's so, so you, again, I mean, if, if you get lost, you climb. I, I remember one night Mark King and I were out flying and we got lost. It was in the very beginning days of my flying career. And we got lost. And so we implemented climb, get altitude, because you're never going to hit anything if you climb. If you descend, you're inevitably going to hit something. Oh, so wow. 
So getting altitude is always your friend. Um, call, get a hold of ATC, let them know that you know who you are, tell them that you're lost, and then com- confess, comply, do what they, they require you to do or ask you to do, and then conserve, potentially start pulling back fuel so that way you're not burning through it. There's no reason in burning a lot of fuel when you're lost. So again, spiritually, I mean, there's all kinds of Man, these. You could preach every part of that. Oh, I mean, there's just, there's so many, there's so many incredible metaphors in flying. You, you were actually one of my instructors for a while. Uh, Lord help me. <laughs> and I will never forget one incident. I've preached about it many times. We were flying into uh, most most of my flight at that point had been in rural airports, yeah. such as where you were operating out of. And you had me fly into the Sacramento Executive Airport. And so it was tower language. You know, yeah. the flying, it's one thing to fly the plane, but it's another thing to fly the plane and talk the new language you have to learn. And then you get into, you know, you're flying between McClellan Air Force Base and Mather Air Force Base and and SAC International and SAC Executive. There's a lot going on out there, right? And so I'm already nervous. I'm flying this plane. I'm in the left seat. You're you're there. And I'm so proud of myself. I'm doing so good. I fly into I'm I'm on the you know the 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 downwind and approaching for this landing and then the tower comes on and says extend the downwind traffic and I encounter something I'd never encountered before. I'd never been called, you know, I'm getting yeah. instructions from the heavens here. Yeah. And then it got a little bit crazy. Something happened, another plane entered the pattern and it got a little crazy for a moment. So now I'm in the panic, and I rem- I'll never forget this. You said, fly the plane, and you got very firm. Fly the plane. Yeah. Forget everything. Fly the plane. Fly the plane. And I remember in that moment, it was just, okay, I didn't know what to do with it. I'm hearing. I didn't know what to do with them. But the, the voice of my instructor was coming in, and it was saying, right now, most important thing is you fly the plane. You know what happened on one of my solo flights. I wound up in a problem where radios didn't work and lights didn't come on at the night. Yeah, you at landed an airport. at night. Yeah, I had lights. to land it without lights. It was a crazy thing. Could have yeah. could have been. But in that moment when I could not find the runway, I could not get the lights to work. Uh, people don't understand. You have to, in those rural airports, you have to manually turn to them turn on. on yeah. But I had a radio problem. I couldn't get them to come on. And I did not. I could not find the runway at night. And I remember the voice of my instructor Yeah, in that night was, you do know how to fly an airplane. You yeah. may not see the, but you know how to fly. And I, I decided I can fly this plane. And I have, I have gone back to that so many times. What, what is my instructor telling me? What did so I good. learn? And so in, in, in this career path, you have taken, you have taught many people in fact, one, one of the favorite things you're doing now is the Hangar Project. Yeah. Expl- talk about the Hangar Project. Yeah. So, you know, we I, I really have a passion for planting churches. That's something that I feel like God's called us to do. And so we were praying, and, and it's one of your passions as well. And, and we fly over California all the time, and we see all these cities that have no apostolic church of really any affiliation, mm-hmm. AAUPC, WPF. And one of these areas is the, the Tri-Valley area. You have Livermore, Pleasanton, Dublin, San Ramon, Danville, how many, Blackhawk, how many, almost 500,000 500, people. people. And there's not one English-speaking apostolic church in that entire 
area. Yeah. It, so we felt led about a year and a half ago to start a Bible study. Now, let me interrupt. That's crazy from the world I grew up in. I grew up in Louisiana, a town of 5,000. I mean, there could be five churches that run 200 apiece in yeah. that same town. Yeah. Not in California. There's so many cities available, and uh, <laughs> we need to get guys to come out and plant churches. But we, we started something, and so instead of going and renting a big building or a small building, um, I had a hangar there, and um, a 90,000-square-foot hangar. <laughs> so every uh, starting a year and a half ago, Tuesday night, we go in and, and just started teaching a Bible study. We started with two. And uh, you came and yeah. you you taught one night. I think there was one person that showed up that night. Uh, I was so embarrassed. But, actually, but that's had, part of it. We had five. We had five that day. We, okay, had, yeah. we had one first-time guest. I think that's the one. Yeah, we, yeah. I think there's me, you, me Tony, and, and Jesus. Yeah. There's four. <laughs> but now, you know, we've been doing it for quite some time, and uh, there was 16 people in Bible study last week. So so God is, is granting us the increase, and so we're excited. We're about to go rent a new church building. And get out of the hangar, but we've been having church, or at least Bible study, in this this huge hangar, and it's been really, really exciting. And fun. So this is this is an idea of uh, I know this would this would touch the heart of many people looking for new ways and avenues to plant churches. You and I have talked about Arrow Missio, yeah. Arrow Missio, and and even in little towns of two thousand people, there's often a general aviation airport sure. that has a place for pilots to refresh or meet or whatever. And so we've had the idea, uh, often talked about it, what, what would happen if, if pilots were tapping these little towns, dropping off people on one night a week to go there, teach a Bible study, running like a bus route, but with an airplane, dropping people off. I mean, look at Alaska, Brother Blackshear. Oh, yeah, Brazil. Brazil, Brother yeah, Brother DeMerchant. So I think, I think we're, we're entering a season where, where if we could get skilled people, in our churches, yeah, you know, you really want to, you really want to do a work for God. You, you feel called to do a work, but you may not be a preacher. But could you be a pilot? You know, could you be a pilot, or could you find some way to? I guess what I'm saying is, is your your idea and approach to ministry has has taken on some different approaches that I think is so refreshing. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, what we're just sincere about wanting to win people to God, and and ultimately whatever it takes to do that. But I agree. I think there's so many. It's like, what would have Paul done with an airplane? Uh, yeah, we know what he did with a, a slow boat. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's baffling to me that we have planes, and trains, internet. and automobiles. What would he done with the internet and an airplane? Yeah, he would have. I mean, he already turned the world upside down by walking to these places. <laughs> so I would like to see. I think my generation and and the Generation Z just be more aggressive in taking advantage of these various you know assets that we have at our disposal so before we go started in tracy the church grew you've got the hangar project but you've now just stepped into a a big giant step forward in yeah. uh, a new building tell us a little bit about that like what's the appraised value of that i mean it, you used your your realtor skills you did a pretty cool move there you break that down Th this is a, this is a way of doing business for the kingdom's sake yeah business is mission well, again, I give God all the credit because this is this is truly a miracle, and, and this is if you could do the, you know if you could make the move that we made, um, and I'll explain it in just a moment. If you could do that three or four times in life, you'd be a pretty wealthy person. But what happened was when I was in Roatan with Brother Jones, I was sitting in his coffee shop, and as is my custom, I get up every morning, I look at real estate on my phone, just you know, browsing the internet, mm -hmm. trying to see what's available. 
and I noticed that there was a little bitty church building that popped up for sale in Manteca. And when I mean small, it would probably only seat about 50 to 60 people, but it was on an acre. And what made this property interesting was that it had not only the church building, which was like a little A-frame, yeah. you know how we used to have. Yeah. There was also a daycare facility that was separated. And then there was a three-bedroom, two-bath house on this one-acre parcel. And I saw it, and I said to myself immediately, something's not right because the price was $335,000 in, in California. Instinctively, I knew this, this property's worth $1.5 million, right, just because I watched the market every day. And so I, I called the realtor, and he said, oh, no, that the, that's the wrong price. And, and fortunately, my wife knew the, um, the attorney that was handling the, the matter. And uh, I'll try to make a long story quite short. So we reached out to the attorney and I said, hey, Mike, I said, I want to buy the building. And at that time, I was sitting on a little bit of cash. He, he said, yeah. Why? I said, is it for sale? He said, yeah. I said, okay, I want it. I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you cash for it. And he said, okay. So uh, we ended up acquiring the property and uh, we went in and we fixed it up, put about $70,000 into it. So I was right at about 400K. Um, Least that, didn't know what to do with this building. And this is, keep in mind, this is a private investment. This is not my yeah. church. Our church didn't buy it. It was just something that yeah. Sophie and I did. And so we bought it, but I still didn't know what we were going to use it for. And I know the other side of the story is you were trying to find a church for you because you had outgrown yours. Yeah. This obviously doesn't fit the need because it was much smaller it than was, the one you It ran. was way too small. But we we knew that God was was in this, this, this uh, transaction. And so... We're trying to figure it all out. We lease it out in three days for $9,500 a month. I mean, it was, it, it got to enjoy that for a few months. And um, again, I'm going to give you the short version of the story. I was driving down the road with Brother Ben Rodriguez from the Rock Church. He was preaching a revival for us. We were driving down the road in Manteca, and we passed by this big, beautiful building. And I had never really entertained taking our church to Manteca. But Ben Rodriguez looked looked at me and he said, you need to call about that building right now. I said, Ben, this is Manteca. I pastor in Tracy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you can tell when someone's in the Holy Ghost. And, and Ben, I really trust his relationship with God. So I picked up the phone, called. And um, what ended up happening was we ended up trading that little bitty property uh, that Sophia and I had bought. We ended up trading that building for this big building. They were in their descendancy. They were running like 10 people at seats. 450 folks amazing on bill. three acres of land. And so by the time we took and we, we did the trade and we also, uh, they wanted some additional cash on top of the trade. We ended up acquiring the building for $900,000. It appraised for $3.8 million. So <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's a miracle. So, so West Valley is in debt at $900,000. And we have this to, to, to rebuild that building in California, oh. right on the main, you know, drag, and and right in the middle of uh, Central Manteca, it would it would be it just would not have been doable, doable. for a congregation our size. Not doable yeah. without a miracle. So we are so happy. We've been able to take, and in the process of that, we we actually ended up gifting uh, the building that Sophie and I bought to our church, and so that was the way we we worked that. And so the property is owned by West Valley. And then we took about $600,000 and reinvested it uh, in the building. It needed quite a bit of upkeep and, you know, renovation. Yeah. So we have a state-of-the-art building now that, that God is going to fill with great revival. And so we're excited about it. Well, I really wanted 
to talk about it because you represent a new approach that God wants to bless people to be a blessing. Yes. And I think for too long we have lived under the weight, well, we're apostolic, so we can't achieve great things, or we're going to have to struggle, or a vow of poverty or something. Yeah. I have watched God take you and Sophia's giftings and your ability. You, you both have very keen business skills. And I've watched you take that and put that into the work of God and jump. It's almost like light years jump into success. And I'm not saying there's not been struggle because I know some of the things that y'all fought and devils yeah. that you've wrestled with, but your approach has been, we're all in. Yeah, we're all in. And you're reaping the benefits of that. And there may be somebody watching today that this awakens something in you, maybe just to think of something uh, ministry-wise in a way that, that you may have never thought before. God wants to use a new generation with fresh faith. And yes. I am so thrilled that you came to be with us on God Quest. I believe there's a I believe God's doing something great in the earth right now, and it's going to tap. It's going to touch, it's going to tap resources of blessings, and it's going to touch places around Amen. the world that to get there is going to take big business and big understandings of how business works to fund revival. And so God's going to raise up entrepreneurs. God's going to raise Amen. up businessmen and women to fund revival with new ways and strategies and thinking. So, yes. uh, Pastor, I would thank you for being with Absolutely. us on God Quest. I've enjoyed it. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time on God Quest.